biblical interpretation mm-hmm. is is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, honestly, there are uh, huge sections of the Bible that I truly, I truly could not understand unless somebody explained it to me. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but I could read it. And depending on how my brain actually reads the text mm-hmm. and truly what mood I'm in that day could truly radically change how I interpret it. Absolutely. Um, a great example that I heard somebody say on a podcast once is they took a, they took a napkin and they wrote uh, five words. Okay. They wrote, she didn't steal his money. She didn't steal his money. Okay. Depending on how you read that, you could get five different interpretations. Okay. She didn't steal his money. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, maybe somebody else did. Right. She didn't steal his money. Yeah. Okay. She didn't steal his money. Maybe maybe she stole somebody else's money. Right. Um she didn't steal his money. She didn't steal it. Maybe she just borrowed his right, money. Yeah. Maybe she just took it. She didn't steal his money. Yeah. So maybe she stole something else, but exactly. it wasn't his money. Exactly. You see how that comes up like five completely different ways, right. depending on how you say it. Yes. And absolutely. so it's an, that's also just an emphasis and even a call to people who do proclaim God's word to learn how to proclaim it rightly. And I'm not saying there's one right way exactly per se, sure, but, sure. um, yeah. And especially when you get into like these these Paul Paul letters. Yes. Because there's so many words. Right. There's so many layers here. There right. is so much theology oh, and doctrine yes. that gets pulled out of these passages. And yeah, you you talk about fundamentalism. Right. Which very often is this strictly literal. Yes. But it's it's what's funny is is that that they say it's so literal 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 yeah, literal but it's not and yet it's really not no. not that literal it's a generally agreed upon interpretation right. that's what it is not necessarily a literal interpretation but a generally agreed upon interpretation yes and 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 it has a troubling approach as well it will take certain things that they've identified, which are the fundamentals, and, and make them stand in opposition to everything else. I'm giving you a perfect example. So here at Praise and Worship, we, we always love to say we take the Bible literally, um, and we do. But at the same time, we let the Bible speak. So, um, so for example, an area where fundamentalists tend not to take the Bible literally is when Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. Um, given to you for the forgiveness of all of your sins, Matthew 20, 26. So, so they, they're like, no, it's symbolic. It's not actually his body and blood. And I understand that. I understand why they say that. But we actually are going to say, no, it is because he said so. How does it work? We don't know, but it is. But then take another one that's seemingly unrelated, but I would argue it's, it's, it's the same kind of issue. And that is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says something like, I do not permit women to speak in the church. 
<laughs> Does that mean the women have to sit down and shut up? Because that's how a fundamentalist will inter interpret that passage. Where someone who is saying, I'm going to let God's word be what it is, which is the living voice of the good news of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to interpret it through Jesus. And I'm going to read all four gospels where Jesus is talking and, and doing. And I'm going to say, did he allow women to speak? And not only did he, but they were the first ones to announce the resurrection of the, of the Lord. Why is that? Why, why are we seeing such a disparity? disparity? And the answer to that then becomes, as we read even within Paul's own letter in 1 Corinthians, only a paragraph before, he's saying, when the women prophesy, they should prophesy this way. Well, now, wait a minute. What's going on? See, and that's the thing. When you take a certain passage and rise it up and then make it stand opposed to the other passages, just to sort of prove your point, now you're not doing biblical interpretation. You're doing fundamentalism. And fundamentalism is where I come with my preconceived set of ideas and I bolt them on top of the Bible. So that's why I always love to say Paul as carried by the Holy Spirit because I want us to hear that it is Paul, but it is written. And that's, 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 the, that's the unique dynamic. It's fascinating because I just, I'll tell you really honestly where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up Baptist. Sure. And Baptists, by golly, Baptists, they just downright, they just love the Bible. They do. And especially... Praise God for that. Especially fundamentalist Baptists. Sure. And, and, you know, honestly, some people would hear that word fundamentalist and they think that's a cuss word. Right. And some people hear it and they go, you know, no, really what we're saying is, is we're getting back to the basics. We're getting yep. back to yep. the Bible. We want to get back to the Bible. I love all of that. All of those intentions are wonderful. And, you know, we... And, and honestly, there are some of my fundamentalist friends who just, they know the Bible inside and out. They know words. They, they do a lot of cross-reference studies. They, they know the Bible. And mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of weird, actually. I, the w only way I could describe it is like fundamentalists, especially when it comes to the Bible, they study scripture like a scientist would study, yes. would study cells in a laboratory yeah, they're dissecting they're animal. looking <laughs> under a microscope yep. they're it's almost like they're tr they're looking at us as if it's some sort of a code yep. that needs to be uh, decrypted yes and I, I share that only to say that 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 a baptist cares a lot about the bible absolutely and it's interesting because on the other end you have a Catholic who they read scripture, but when they read it, they kind of read it as fast as they can. They're, <laughs> they're just trying to get through it. Yeah. The most important thing is, is the Lord's supper. Yeah. You know, the most important thing is, is, is just being in the building build, yeah. being in the cathedral. Yes. And you have all of this and it's like, I, I just, I wrestle with it yeah. because it's, because you, I don't know, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, but do you kind of understand what I I'm saying? I do understand. And what you're, what you're highlighting is, 
is if you take those two examples that you're given, where you have a Baptist on, on one hand and a Catholic on the other, and of course, in all of these different faith traditions, there's a spectrum of different people and different practices. But if you take those simple examples, and the Baptist is saying, me and my Bible, and the Catholic is saying, I just need the Mass, right? Um, what I would say, as the one who stands in the middle, and now I'm truly filling the role of the Lutheran here, is to say, yes. It's <laughs> to say literally, yeah, it's because it's because if you do the Bible without the Lord's Supper, then what you're doing is you are you're not actually doing what the Bible says. Jesus said, do this. Right. And so and, and why? Why should we do it? He goes in remembrance of me. And so that's, you know, a good Baptist say, that's exactly what we do. We do it and we, and we, and we, you know, cups up to remember, right? That's what we're going to do. And, and, but the Catholic is like, but I'm actually getting his body and his blood. He's physically present. Now where I get uncomfortable is, is whenever we say, well, he's just a symbol or he's actually, we're actually changing the molecules of the bread and the wine. No, 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 no. No, it's a mystery. It's mysterion. It's, 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 it's sacramentum in Latin, which is the Latin word for mystery. And so what it is, is saying, yes, the, the Baptist is spot on and the Catholic are spot on. How would we unify those two approaches and to say, we do need to take, bring our Bibles <laughs> into the cathedral and participate in the Lord's Supper. See, it's, it's this great unity of all things in heaven and all things on earth. And that's what we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Lord, may your be will be done on earth at, just as it is in heaven. And that dynamic is this idea of it's proclamation. So we got to have the Bible, but we also have to have explanation. We got to have the story. And that's why we're, if the, if you read the Bible as a, as something to dissect, something to decode or decrypt, well, then you lose that it's a story. But meanwhile, if you don't treat the word of God for what it is, which is the living voice of the gospel of the good news, then yeah, you lose a bit of its power and its authority, which the Baptist will rightly highlight for us. And I, that's why I'm always going to say there's beauty in both of those. And I think the key, I don't think he said so, is Jesus. And to bring more of Jesus into both of those extremes, and I think you'll find that unity that he proclaims in Ephesians. talk about this in the mm. beginning was the word and the word uh was god yeah um yeah. the word or the word and the word was with god and the word was god right and we move down into you know the 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 passage that says that he dwelt with us yeah so, see in there when you say he dwelt with us um so so what what's kind of amazing to this is that the the word there for dwelling is tabernacle. So now think about that. So for you and I, unless we grew up in, like you said, you grew up Baptist, so you heard the word tabernacle growing up. And I grew up Lutheran, and so I heard it a little less probably than you did, but I did hear it from time to time. And, um, and so 
it's verse 14, John chapter one, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And what that is, and this is the key to the word of God, is it is saying there's a story behind all of this. Because it's a hyperlink is what we, you know, uh, my friend Jeff Mitten and I will often talk, talk about biblical hyperlinks. And so when you see tabernacle, which I know we don't see that in English, we just see dwelling or dwelt or whatever the local, the local translation shows. The idea is if you see tabernacle, now you got to go back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then and then even farther into the prophets to see, well, what's the tabernacle? What was that for? And of course, especially in the book of Exodus, especially in the book of Leviticus, we find that the tabernacle is this place where heaven and earth overlap. You know, I'm borrowing again from Tim and John of the Bible Project. It's this idea where heaven is on earth and earth is in heaven at the same time. They're in one place. They're like two dimensions overlapping. And so now you have that. We thought that you had to make a tent or make a temple. And now you're saying that this dude, <laughs> this dude is the tabernacle. And then of course, as the story unfolds, it even, it even goes more. Not only is he the tabernacle, he's the temple, but he's also the temple sacrifice. And so all of those countless stories of the Old Testament suddenly just spring to life in a whole new way because he is literally the fulfillment of all of it. So I've been reading this book about the history of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And in this book, the author prefaces, you know, that the majority of Christians today, no matter what their background is, they believe that they can have an encounter with Jesus. Yes. That is just as if the disciples had their encounter with Jesus. Yes, absolutely. And so with that thought in mind, just talking about the Bible, if God would have, you know, God, I guess, could have dropped a book from the sky that said, here's the 10 things that you need to do (laughs) in order to fix, restore, make better, Right. The world. Yeah. And, you know, he could have done that. Yeah. He also could have gotten a big giant megaphone and literally spoke into the air. You need to do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But instead, he uses all of these people Mm. through all of history Mm -hmm. to prophesy the coming of this person yes. that's going to actually come to the world. Yes. Now, given 2,000 years of, or not even more than, way right. more than 2,000 years of context and living in the world and having kings and having kingdoms and having all of these things that we would think when, well, when this guy comes, he's going to be like this. Right. He's going to be this awesome, you know. Sure king that's going to just take over the world and yet he shows up and he's not what anybody expected and yet he still is the completion of these prophecies now the prophecies are correct and we can look back at all of those prophecies but yet 
the people at that time, their interpretation of those prophecies formed by the culture around them yes. caused them to completely miss it. Exactly. That's exactly right. But anyhow, Jesus shows up. Uh-huh. And so Jesus is a person. Yeah. We have the Bible and the Bible is the story of Jesus. Yes. So we have this book that points us to Jesus, but we also have our churches and our traditions mm. that help us to correctly understand the, how to interpret this book. Yes. But really the interpretation is, is the book points us to Jesus. <laughs> That's right. Now, That's right. with that, then through our church and our tradition, mm-hmm. we can experience Jesus the same way that the disciples did yes. in that upper room. That's right. And I always say this, and I don't know if I've said this for the podcast, but people talk about this all the time. You know, is the Lord's Supper, is it a symbol or is it really his body and blood? Mm-hmm. Does it transform when it goes into our digestive tract? <laughs> yeah. But I think the real story for me personally, and I come from that that Baptist Pentecostal, non-denominational kind of, here's your Lord's Supper in a Keurig cup-sized thing. Yeah. Um, you know, Lord's oh, yeah. Supper by Keurig. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a little cracker, and it's just a little bit of grape juice. Yeah. And and I'm just going to believe that it's the symbols of Jesus. Yeah. But... The power, it's, it's weird because then you have a Baptist who sings this song, there's power, power, wonder working power in the blood. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, if I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, well, I don't, this isn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. I think that's more for me. It's not the question of symbolism versus real. Mm-hmm. It's the question of, is this thing that we do called communion a big deal Mm. or is it not a big deal? I think that's the real question because here's the thing. I mean, if you walk into it and you think it's not a big deal, right? Then guess what? It's not a big (laughs) deal. Correct. It's just a little cracker. It's just a little thing that I do. Yeah. And I'm sure there are even Catholics in a Catholic mass that go forward and don't really give a crap about it. Absolutely. Honestly. Sure. That's and there true are people in any that would do yeah. it here too. Yeah. And they have all these rules about membership and what oh, you yeah. have and all the classes that you have to go through yep. to be able to do it. Yep. And all of that is meant for very for for good. Yep. But I think where we miss it and I think we'll come back to this all the time in this podcast is it's a big Deal. It's a very big it's deal. It's a big deal. And I always use the an analogy like if you walked in the room and yeah. instead of a bunch of little Keurig cubs with crackers up there on the table on the stage was a real dead body. <laughs> it would be a very big deal. And you said if you're gonna if you're gonna follow this, if you're gonna come after this, you gotta come up here and grab a piece of this. Yeah. Scoop out some real blood with Ooh. your hands, take a drink. Yeah. And I guarantee you, I mean, it right. sounds already it sounds cultic. Yeah. yeah. And and people would go, well, I'm getting out of here. Right. That's well, right. if we take the Bible 
as it says it, yeah. that's what people actually did. Yeah. They, they, cause Jesus was there and he said, you have to eat and drink of my body. It's interesting you say that because we have a letter from Pliny the Younger, who was a Roman governor somewhere, I can't remember off the top of my head, and he wrote a letter to one of the Roman prefects, and he was basically saying, these strange Christians, um, they're really weird. They meet on the first day of the week. They're atheists who are cannibals. And the reason they called them atheists because they didn't have an actual idol. There was no physical idol. But then they claimed to eat the Christ which to this, you know, to this guy who had infiltrated their midst or one of his people had infiltrated, he was completely confused by that. So it shows you when he was just taking them at their word, he was like, well, they're cannibals. <laughs> and and, and to, be, to be fair, that is what we're saying. The difference is, is we don't have to eat the body because the body was already sacrificed and has been risen again. But then at the same time, we are eating the body because he is given himself for us. And it's so that you mentioned people saying they want to have an encounter with Jesus or they believe that they can. This is so powerful because, and that's why it makes, that's what makes online worship really hard because it's like the reason we want to get together ultimately is to partake of the body and blood of Christ, um, to the eating and the drinking. That's, that's what we're doing. And that is, that is his gift to us. And so, you know, we always used to say uh, that, you know, people would say, what is worship? And I'm like, well, that's where we get our gifts. That's where he gives us our, his gifts. And the biggest of those is his word that we can eat and we can drink. It kind of goes back to, you know, I just li- listened to a great podcast or a great YouTube video about kind of Lutherans versus Baptists. Yeah. And, I love to have this conversation because honestly, I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm very, I'm very open-minded to a lot of different denominations that follow Jesus. Which is very healthy and good. And, you know, I'm always curious about what the Catholics believe. I've got a lot of Baptist background, but for me as a person, just instinctually, it's not even the Bible. It's not even the the how good the coffee is or how good the worship team is or any of that it's i this instinctual sort of belief that i've had in me the whole time which is like 2000 years ago jesus did this thing mm-hmm. he did it yeah it's happened yep. it's done it's historical it's event it's finished mm-hmm. and he did that for me before I was even born. Yes. He did it for me, you know, while I was, before I was born and yet while I was yet a sinner. Correct. Yes. It's just, it's fascinating to me because this, this YouTube video that I, that I watched mm-hmm. said, you know, in, instead of asking, have you surrendered your life to Christ? The question is, is has Christ surrendered his life to us? Oh, that's such good language because it captures it in a completely different way of thinking. You know, he, he asks another one. He says, instead of asking, have we given our life and heart to Jesus? We ask, has Jesus given his life and heart to us? Mm. 
instead of saying, have you prayed to accept Jesus? Can you just accept the truth that Jesus has already accepted us? I'm getting fired up because what you're doing is you're, 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 it's what some of the old Lutherans would call rightly dividing law and gospel. And law, of course, in the Bible is referring to the first five books of the Bible, which are called the Torah, but more narrowly focused, the law means whatever we must do to, to, to follow God's will. And he says, love your neighbor. So we better get off to, get after it. Right. And the, and we, we think love your neighbor is great until we actually go to do it. And love your neighbor is actually really hard to do. And we fail on a regular basis. And so then that puts us in a position much as you just described, like, well, do I really believe in Jesus? Did I really surrender to him? Did I real? was I sincere? Because if I'm looking for evidence of my sincerity, I can't find enough of it. I can't find very much. I can maybe find little hints, maybe here and there, but it produces is doubt and guilt and shame and challenge and all those things where like you said as you, when you look at it from the other the other way of thinking when it's gospel which is what god has done the good news is that well the real question is, is did not did i accept jesus or did i surrender to jesus or did i give my full life to jesus but did he do those things for me right and and if and if we look at it that way then we realize that we're not left with an action that we must take in order to invite him into our lives. We're simply left with the, the fact that he's already in our life working, and are we wanting to push him away now? Right. <laughs> and the answer is, of course, no. And that's how faith works. He gives us faith. Yes, and the power, the power there is that I want to do things. Yes. I don't feel like I have to do them. Correct. I want to do them. Mm -hmm. And I want to do them, you know, if I'm really, I feel like if I'm really under God and hearing his word and walking with him and hearing his word proclaimed week in and week out, like what, what you're doing here on Sunday mornings, constantly teaching on justification you know, Martin Luther said, I teach on justification weekly because every week my people have forgotten it. <laughs> That's right. you, you have constant teaching of that, constant teaching of this is past tense. Paul is writing in past tense. This has already happened. Yes. You know, when you look at that passage, you know, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Yes. Well, it's not that you need to figure out how to be worthy. Right. It's that the calling itself is a worthy calling. Yes, yes. And it, and it's and and so it's not that. Well, how do I need to be more worthy? No, <laughs> it's you. You are worthy. You, are you worthy. have been given a worthy calling. Now you take that and you go do it. And the great thing is the real magic. The real magic is that you come here every week and you. You take the body of Jesus and you take the blood of Jesus and you go, you know, I really wanted to love my neighbor this week. Mm-hmm. I really did because mm-hmm. I really experienced the love of Jesus. But guess what? I also really screwed up. Mm. And you come back the next week and you go, it's okay. Right. You, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. It's just, it's honestly, it's just part of it. It's just part of it. You're not going to have a perfect day. You're not going to have a perfect week. If you think that you have to, you know, it's, 
it's beautiful because really when you take the Lord's Supper seriously, you say, oh, well, I don't have to cleanse myself every single day. Right. And I don't have to cleanse myself every single week. Right. But Jesus does it yeah. and, and has done it. Yep. He has done it. Yep. The, the taking of the Lord's Supper, it doesn't necessarily cleanse us every week. We're not re-cleansing ourselves over and over and over. We've already been cleansed by the real blood of Jesus. But to experience it again. There you go. Keyword experience. Keyword experience. Because, if, because what I'm literally going through every single day of my life as a Christ follower is I'm constantly, and it goes back to what Luther said, Uncle Marty said, you know, I have to preach justification every week because every week my people have forgotten it, is that it, it highlights every single day I wake up and I'm in a war, which basically is the devil comes and says, did God really say? Just as he said on page three of the Bible, when Adam and Eve were deceived to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, so it becomes, the question becomes, am I defining, am I, am I allowing my life to be told on God's terms or am I going to demand that they're told on mine? And the devil, the accuser, he comes and he says, oh, no, 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 they're on your terms. So he didn't say that. Did he really? He can't love you. He doesn't love you. You are trash. You know? And so that's why when you hear, not only hear the, the preaching of the fact that you're not trash, you're actually a child of God, but then you eat it and drink it. Then you experience it and it becomes part of your daily life just like you do when you eat lunch when you drink a glass of cold water it, it it's this idea it's refreshing renewing it is power it is life-giving yeah and i think for me you know experientially it's led me to this place mm -hmm. because i've lived my life thinking something different than this yeah you you think well, all you have to do is believe. Okay, so that's something I have to do. Well, what happens on the days when I don't? Right. Because you may believe, you may believe so much. You may have the biggest belief day of your life that mm -hmm. you believe. But for some reason, I could never sustain that. No, it's not possible. On my not own. Not on this earth, yeah. I could never sustain it on my own. Yeah. So... You know, they say all you have to do is believe, but then at the same time, they also say, well, you've also got to do some other stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the other stuff you have to do. You have to start going to church every week. Right. You have to get involved in this ministry. You have to do this. It's, That's exactly it's, right. It's a whole list of things you have to do. Well, you try. <laughs> you try. You try. You try. You try. You think, okay, well, they said I need to do this. I need to, to give 10% of my money. Right. You know, that's... You know, that's where you get into that fundamentalism of like, well, I have to give 10% of my money. Right. That's well, right. the interesting thing is, is that God ha owns all of my money. That's he right. has, He owns my whole life. Yep. And... It's just try, 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 try. Yep. Well, then you end up hating yourself. You end up, it, it, the whole thing just starts falling apart. Right. You, there, you, it's full of doubt. You know, somebody used these theological terms to describe it to me. I think it was monergism and synergism. Yes, monergism and synergism. So this idea of synergism is like, well, God comes halfway or maybe yep. a little more yep. than halfway. Sure he does. And I, and I meet him. That's it. I meet him. Somewhere in the middle. Well, you know, 
God and I have met a couple of times, <laughs> but it is just experientially. I can't speak for any the other people who are listening to this pod, mm-hmm. podcast. Sure. But truly, experientially, I cannot do it. Right. And I have tried. Yeah. I've tried for over a decade yeah. to be a better person, to, to do more, to, to know more. Maybe to, tomorrow I'll hear a thing that'll, that'll make me just perfect. Right. And I'll never have this problem again. <laughs> Let me know if you find and, that. And 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 yeah, and 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 you you know you think oh maybe maybe if I get baptized one more time maybe right. yeah. maybe I'll quit smoking. Sure. You know I'm not a smoker, but I'm just using that as an example so, yeah, yeah. of like maybe if I do this it'll just stop. Maybe it'll just go away. And I know so many Christians that are so hard on themselves that are so worn out, that are so tired, that they hear something that's coined the gospel mm-hmm. and they roll their eyes. They go, really? Yeah. And it's ultimately because they're not, they're not encountering Jesus. That's it. That's exactly it. I, I mentioned I was talking to the atheist not too long ago and um, ultimately I said, you know, I don't, you know, you can debate whether you believe the Bible or you believe the historical accounts or the historicity of the New Testament. At the end of the day, the question is whether you've met this guy this guy who's risen from the dead. And we don't mean it in some mystical, you know, energy pattern or something. We mean it in in the reality of his word. And certainly he can he can do what he did for Paul. He can show up on the road to Damascus too. That's I'm not I'm omitting that as a possibility, but he has promised to be present in this way we're talking about. He has promised. And his promises are not based upon our behavior. So if you have the worst week of your life, then here, here are his gifts. If you've had the best week of your life, here are his gifts. Because you need him just as much, no matter how good you are or no matter how bad you are. And, and, and this is the key because he doesn't measure it based on our behavior. He measures it based on his behavior. He doesn't define it based upon our ability to construct our identity, but based on his ability to literally make us who we are. 